0: Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Today's guest is Emily Lyman, founder and CEO of Branch & Bramble, a digital marketing agency that works with purpose-oriented brands. She'll also share insights about her superpower, client development, using her spidey sense to anticipate their needs and concerns. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Oh, thank you, Devin. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, it, it's so good to see you after what it's been, been like 15 years uh, since we worked together at Thorpe Capital. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it is just a joy to catch up with you. And now you're the CEO, you're the the, the big time entrepreneur, and, and you're having so much success. Uh, I just couldn't be more happy, couldn't be more thrilled. Uh, but tell us about Branch and Bramble.
1: Yes. So first of all, thank you so much, Devin, for your kind words. And, you know, Branch and Bramble, we're, we're just starting. We are into our second year. We are a digital marketing agency that really strives to help brands throw out the passive positivity that has plagued, you know, all companies as they try to please everybody with their marketing, with their sales, and ultimately always only thinking about the bottom line. Right. So we're here yeah. to, to help them rethink what is possible, but also rethink who their target audience is from a value perspective. It's not about selling to an audience, it's attracting based on your brand story and your values. And so that's really what we we strive to do with every single one of our clients as they come through is whether it's through social media, paid advertising, influencer marketing, tying that whole story together, that's more the, that's about adding value, bringing value to their customers, rather than just focusing on the bottom line.
0: Recently, I posted a uh, an episode with a, a guy named Mark Tursick, who used to run the uh, Nature Conservancy. He's a big deal. Uh, he, he was the head of sustainability for Goldman Sachs before that. Uh, you know, big deal guy. And uh, he describes Larry Fink, who runs BlackRock, as a as a friend, but also as a hero, someone he genuinely admires and. I think Larry Fink at a huge scale is going through some of the very branding issues you're talking about. So I I, I'm, I want you to help me think through this a little bit, but it seems to me that BlackRock is getting pressure from, let's call it the left and the right, right? There are people who are climate skeptics who are saying, uh, Larry, you've got to stop talking about climate change, don't worry about climate change, focus on results, financial results exclusively, get out of politics, get out of, and people on the left are saying, uh, you've got to do more, uh, you own the world, it's your responsibility to solve all these problems, uh, this is just greenwashing, there's no real substance, do more. So it's an interesting branding discussion, isn't it? Uh, It seems to me that it is kind of the big picture of what a lot of brands face. How would you coach Larry Fink to brand himself and cope with these questions, problems, issues?
1: So I I like to start this out by saying that we cannot please everybody and that's where that problem of passive positivity came from in the first place is trying to please everybody and brands so often shy away from that that conflict those naysayers rejection they are so careful to walk on glass and tiptoe because they don't want to have to deal with any of that but what studies have found time and time again um, what we've gone through in this past few years with covid and some of the social movements that have been happening what we have found is that when brands embrace and take a stand whatever side of the road that might be on they are going to find and attract the more a more loyal audience than they than the people that are not going to follow them, right? And so mm-hmm. that's where I would start is if you approach it from knowing very well what your brand values are, being very strong and adamant in them, but then also having that message, having that communication be very transparent and open and honest without, um you know, you don't need to be controversial in terms of, or, or what's the word combative, I guess is a better word, right? You don't need mm-hmm. to be combative with any other side, or maybe people don't agree with you, but you welcome that conversation and you join in and you just um, understand that not everyone is going to agree with you. I think that is a very good starting point for brands.
0: Mm-hmm. When I think of companies that have done well, in this model, trying to create, uh, you know, branding around their mission. I think, uh, Ben and Jerry's and Patagonia is two real classic examples. Uh, what would you call out that they do well? And do you see things that they don't do well that you would coach your clients not to do?
1: I, I'm actually per- personally, I, I use, by Patagonia, I I love them. And what I find that they do time and time again is just that, right? They have that very clear mission statement that they always tie everything back to, every marketing initiative, every campaign, every email that sends out always ties back to that. And they are so transparent. So I'll give you one specific example. my husband and I were talking about the byproduct of making some of the higher, uh, more technical gear for um, hiking, climbing, etc., And it creates this byproduct that releases a chemical out into the atmosphere and the ozone that is very harmful for it. And so we were like, wait, we haven't heard about this from Patagonia at all. Have they been lying to us this whole time that they're this great company you know and we did some research and sure enough there was a study and they said this is the byproduct and we are very aware of it and here are the steps that we're taking to fix that or to offset our footprint from it and we know that it's bad but we are working on it and here's how you can help us right so it's owning it's owning those
0: yeah one of the dilemmas for people trying to do good are the inherent conflicts, and, and the environment is such a good space for this because it's it's top of mind for a lot of us these days. Uh, that and public health, but let's stay on environment for a minute. So, uh, you know, uh, the Nature Conservancy had a partnership with Dow Chemical, a- and Dow, quite frankly, has a pretty bad history, and when The Nature Conservancy partnered with Dow on this effort. Uh, It was very controversial, very controversial. And yet uh, the Nature Conservancy argument was at the time, well, if we want to move the needle, if we want to get better environmental practice, we have to start with the people that have the most impact and start moving them back, right? So we've got to work with them. Uh, How would you coach them on, and this is now history, but if you were coaching them today, how would you coach them on the, um, on how to communicate that partnership? What would you tell them to do to deal with the controversy that comes naturally from that kind of a, an alliance?
1: Yes, I, well, it, it, first and foremost, I think it comes, you need to think about everything that could be said about it, Right. It's kind of that communication crisis plan that all brands should have and put together. They need to say, okay, what are the people that are for it going to say? What are the naysayers going to say? And here we're going to craft all of our responses um, and make sure that everything is cohesive. I think when brands sometimes get into trouble, it's because they, they don't want to either A, admit to anything, even if it's a wrongdoing or not a wrongdoing. They don't want to take that that stand. So they need to say, okay, we're going to toe the line. We're going to have this, this, and these talking points, and we're going to stick to them no matter what. No matter if something comes and, and maybe someone else makes a good point, we're going to say, hey, that's a good point. Um, or someone doesn't, we're not going to be combative, but we're going to say, this is where we stand on it. So when that comes to play they always have this game plan for across all channels and it starts from that very beginning of i keep repeating myself but so many brands don't fully digest (laughs) or really understand what their values are from every person in the corporation and everybody at the conservatory everybody at dow should understand why this partnership is happening and how to speak to it.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it seems to me, you help me understand, but it seems to me these principles that apply in these big companies, big notorious cases, actually apply just as well to social entrepreneurs, small nonprofits, et cetera, et cetera, right? And trying to communicate their branding, et cetera, et cetera. How would you coach uh, a small nonprofit, that is trying to uh, build its brand, build its uh, donor base, maybe more than anything, how would you coach them to communicate their mission? Because uh, I think some, some are in this area of wanting not to offend anyone and in the process not appealing to anyone, right?
1: So it's so, I, I love that you, you said that because great content happens in one of four quadrants. Um, So I'm not sure if any familiar with the emotional quadrants you have, right? um, Love, hate, happiness, despair, essentially, or or just in a nutshell. And most content that brands produce fall right in the center of of that quadrant. And so that's where it's the boring content. So whenever you are looking to create content that resonates, that drives a response, you have to be in one of those four quadrants and you have to provide that emotional touch point for people to get behind, whether it's anger at what's happening in the world and how they can fix it, whether it tugs on the heartstrings, whether it tickles their funny bone, it has to fall within those four quadrants because if you if you don't create content or your branding that does that. You're dead in the water, so to speak.
0: You're you're in that boring center. Yeah. Exactly. Um, tell us a little bit uh, as we wrap up this part of the conversation. Tell us a little bit about maybe a, a case study of your favorite uh, client, or give us an example of a project you've completed that you're proud of. Tell us something about your yeah. work specifically if you don't mind sharing
1: absolutely um no i i'd love to so we recently worked with the apa which is the audio publishers association to build a campaign around audiobooks and audiobooks i'm not sure uh, if you if you knew this but um within the publishing industry audiobooks have has kind of been the you know um Redheaded stepchilds, so, <laughs> for for lack of a better term, um, and they've never been given the um, recognition as as traditional print books have. Even though they provide amazing value, they help with um, so with learning disabilities. They also help just with. Um, uh, Sorry, I just lost my words for a second. I got sidetracked in my brain. Um, Suffice it to say, audiobooks are fabulous. Um, And we wanted to bring attention around audiobooks. So we worked with um, influencers across the board who have never listened to an audiobook before. And what we wanted to do with the campaign was reach an audience who was new to the space, not just the influencers, but their followers as well, because we don't want to speak to the, to the listeners. They are already aware of, of audiobooks. So what we wanted to say was, okay, we're going to lay out this influencer campaign, but what are the values that we want to bring to the influencer campaign as a whole? And influencer marketing in general is, um, very well known for not being a diverse space. So, even within the audiobooks in publishing as well, diverse authors, um, LGBTQ, um, etc., they are not represented. So, while we wanted to bring an audiobook campaign to life, we wanted to make sure that it was representative of the underserved communities within that space. So we chose influencers very carefully. Um, and we worked with um, diverse authors to bring forward this, um, this campaign in such a fabulous way and light. So it happened on Instagram. It was for the month of June, June is audiobooks month. And it wasn't it wasn't a talking point where audiobook the APA had to say, you have to say these things. It was, here are several audiobooks. pick one that you would love to listen to and just tell us what you thought about it. Did you like it? Did you not? What was the experience? To start the conversation, not in a way that was too structured or had the brand stamp on it, but very authentic and coming from a place of, this is what I tried. Either you like it or you don't, but here's my experience. So we we caused an eight, 80% lift around audiobooks for the month of June. And it was, it had wow. hundreds of, yes, it had hundreds of thousands of engagements, comments, and people saying, we need to read audiobooks. Nope, audiobooks aren't for me, but I know someone who loves them. Or, hey, that's a really interesting topic for an audiobook. Let's start that discussion. So it went in so many different directions, but caused... Um, everyone could come together around this format.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Fascinating. What a great project. As someone who has published three audiobooks, I find that particularly fascinating. So uh, <laughs> thanks for sharing. So uh, you really have accomplished a lot. Uh, and of course I think of you as being probably a little younger than you are because you'll be forever 23 in my mind. Uh, but very successful. And, uh, I couldn't be more pleased for you, but as you think about your success, what do you think of as your superpower?
1: I, I love this question, um, because I often think about it as I build internally, I build our teams, right? As I build the branch and bramble teams, I want us all to work cohesively together. Um, and very much so my strength building client relationships, uh, I have what I call a spidey sense. So I have a very good ability to anticipate the needs of clients, employees, people in general. Once I build that relationship with them, I have a very good sense of understanding what they're going to ask for, what their goals are, what they need without them having to say anything for the most part. Um, and so what that enables us to do is be overly communicated, overly communicative with our partners, with our clients to say, hey, here's what we're doing, here's what's happening. here's what's going on in the space, in your industry, in your projects, etc. But this is how we're going to approach the landscape of it. And they come to us and say, oh, Okay, that's that's really amazing. How did you know I was thinking about that? Um, And in turn, that gives us enough space together to then even build a a relationship. So it feels like we're not it's not a business relationship, right? Branch and Bramble has our, our clients best interest at heart. Always, always. And so by being over communicative, by always anticipating their needs, they really do feel that.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, what a great, great superpower. Uh, as you look back on how you built the business and your clientele, and as you seek to drive impact yourself, how do you connect your superpower to those outcomes?
1: I use it as a basis for building trust. And when I have that trust of clients i'm a i am able to better this is gonna sound so horrible but i am better able to influence their decisions (laughs) right um and so be in it it is one of those things where because i'm i'm anticipatory because i'm very transparent because i actually lean on my corniness a lot which you know there's there's no guile here um I am Mm -hmm. able to have very candid conversations with them and in some ways call them out on their their stuff. So when they come to me and, and they say, Emily, we want to run this campaign and here's what we want to do. I can say, well, that's a terrible idea because you're not looking at the whole picture of how you can do it better. Or you have all, you know, white people in this campaign there's no diversity you need to focus on this or your pay equality is not there we've had these really hard conversations with clients before um but because we they trust us and we can do it candidly we're able to to get farther and we're able to showcase them better showcase better to them what their brand needs to do to to get rid of that passive positivity because branch and bramble is not we don't we don't subscribe to passive positivity. So if you need to hear the hard the hard stuff, we'll tell you the hard stuff.
0: Excellent, excellent. If you were trying to coach someone on developing this skill, how would you coach them to do it? And you probably do coach your team on this a little bit, don't you?
1: I do. Yes. Yeah. Um, active listening is a very big piece. Of, of how I develop that spidey sense in addition to um, always striving to add value to my communications. So even if it's just an email, I never send an email that just says, thank you. This is very, very tactical, very, very specific. But if some if a client comes to me and says, thank you so much for that campaign, it's never, or you're welcome. It's, I'm so glad we're able to be part of the team. Here's where we're looking forward to doing next, or here's what we can tackle next, or this campaign that you we just ran did X times better than these other campaigns within this space, right? So it's always asking yourself, how do you add value for someone else? And starting, and with that active listening, always, and i have tr- i still have trouble with this stopping yourself from speaking repeating back to them what they said so you make sure that you really absorb it
0: yeah that that really uh, that is a critical lesson and it is hard for people like me with a natural desire to be the one speaking you know i i love nothing more than the sound of my own voice and it's you know, I really worked to overcome that. And I, so I appreciate that coaching, uh, Emily. Thank you. Um, Well, Emily, I really appreciate you taking time to do this. Uh, It's so great to catch up with you after all these years. It's been so long and I'm so thrilled to see the success you're having. Before you go, would you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Branch and Bramble and how they can connect with you?
1: Yes. Thank you, Devin. So uh, our website is branchandbramble.com, spelled just as you would um, expect it to be spelled. Uh, B-R-A-N-C-H-A-N-D-B-R-A-M-B-L-E. I do have to spell it out as a long one, um, but it's, um, it is it is the best place to find us. Yeah. Um, as for myself, uh, I am on LinkedIn uh, at Emily Lyman, or I'm on Twitter as well at Emily Lyman. Um, and I would love to connect with your listeners.
0: Fantastic. Well, Emily, thank you so much for being with us today. We, are, uh, we congratulate you for your success and wish you continued success in your efforts to help companies get more genuine, more authentic, and build their brands around genuinely doing good in the world.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, Devin.
0: All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit DevonThorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.